All right, so I'm not Mark. Mark is off uh, substitute, the substitute pastoring. Is that what you call that? He's, he's preaching at a, at a friend's church, giving him a break, which I thought about. Mark was already going to preach. So really, I'm the one that is really substituting. Like, if anyone should be, I should be getting some credit for that, right? Yeah, see? Although, by just saying that, like any crowns I earned in heaven, I just removed. Like, they're all just wiped it out. Like, I got glory here, but in heaven, I got, I got nothing. So, anyways, Mark will be back next week to continue in Philippians. So we're going to pause through that because he's already got that kind of rolling through. So I'm going to kind of just talk a little bit about something different. He'll pick up Philippians next week. Um, and we're going to talk through uh, Matthew chapter 11. So let's, let's go ahead and open up in there. Read that, and then we'll uh, open up in the word of prayer again. Matthew chapter 11 is where we'll be at today. I'm going to read 25 through 30, but then we're probably going to just focus on 28 through 30 this morning. Get all my little stuff set up here. Okay. Matthew 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Again, let me just pray for us. God, thank you for your word. Um, I pray that our hearts would be, as you say, as children, that we would be open and receive that with, with much faith, God, and that we would hear your spirit of what you have to tell us this morning, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I think last time I talked kind of how we got up here, but um, we moved here, so I'm going to cover that stuff, but in, uh, we moved here October 2014, um, and we're kind of getting settled in there, and, you know, so kind of got the house, got the new job going, and all that sort of stuff, and so January comes along, and so it's time for New Year's resolutions, right? So once again, as I pretty much put on every year, I'm like, I'm going to get fit, I'm going to eat good, I'm going to do all this stuff, right? And so... I do it once again, so this is January 2015, and uh, I make this plan. The work I'm at has a gym on site, so I can go work out in the morning or at lunch, and I figure lunch is a great opportunity because, like, I'm already putting on too many calories by going to Chick-fil-A and Baja Fresh and all these restaurants at lunch, so I'm like, I can kill two birds with one stone, so I'll replace that unhealthy eating with exercise, it'll be double, right? So, and then I get on my fitness pal and it says I live a sedentary lifestyle, so I only get like a thousand calories a day. So I'm like, I'm gonna even shoot underneath that. So I'm eating like 800 calories a day. I'm working out like an hour. So four months goes by where I'm doing this and I gain three pounds. <laughs> yeah, it's muscle, right? I don't care about muscle. Like this needs to go down. It needs to shrink. Right, that was the goal. I'm not trying to put on muscle. I'm just trying to get rid of weight. The number needs to go down. So I go to the doctor. I'm like, doc, you got you to gotta help me out here. I'm like, I'm exercising multiple times a day. I'm, you know, on my dumb fitness pal, which is an effort for me because in my job, I can't take a phone into my job. I got to like physically walk out of the building 
and go to my phone and then log in. Yeah, I ate two apple slices, check. And then it logs in for me. Okay, you have 211 calories left, thank you. So he's like, okay, well, let's run some blood tests. So it comes back and turns out my cortisol levels are high, which I don't know if you guys have tested that or if you guys know what that is, but that is the, an indicator of stress. So then he, so he takes that and so apparently when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, I'm jacked right out the gate. I'm like five, eight times more than I'm supposed to be. And then I, I tank like a rock about 10 a.m. And then I sit in this lull period and about two, I ramp back up again. And he's like, you need to level that out. Like that could be why you're not losing weight. You're just, you, you wake up like, like, he's like, are you anxious? I'm like, no, I, I got a new job. Like it's going great. And we're in Colorado, we're loving it. Like I, don't, I don't, can't point to anything that is like stress. There's not like death in my family. There's not like, some, something going on, it's just, I, I can't level it out. And he's like, well, you should just take a two-week vacation, right? That'll help a lot, you know, take two or three weeks. I'm like, who has time to take two weeks? My work gives me like a week a year. Like, how do I, there's no way. So that's not gonna happen. Um, so I just deal with it, right? And just move on. I keep trying to exercise, but it doesn't go. So that's one story of how, again, we're gonna talk about rest and how I am not the best person to be talking about rest. So that's one example. <laughs> then my second example is in uh, every year we've had the privilege. We don't always get to go, but in a lot of years we have. There you go, discipline of rest. So we have the privilege to go to Montana for the summer for a week. Um, maybe some of you that know us have heard us talk about that. So I got some photos here of Montana. So this is kind of like, this is it. So our friends have their own access right on the lake. So this is their dock, and this is their boat, and their jet skis, and they have like this little trampoline. You can see the kids, and it's just, it's just beautiful. You can see it like way in the back there, and that's Glacier National Park, and it's just, it's just a super awesome time. Like you just see the Grand Mountains, and you just, you just can't help but say, God, you, you built something awesome here. And so this is what we do for a week. And then... You know, there's some more pictures. There's, there's my daughter and my niece paddleboarding. It's kind of hanging out. There's Blake. And uh, if you guys can't see it, those are life jackets upside down, like they're wearing them as diapers. <laughs> um, and so they just thought that was funny, which I thought was funny too. It was pretty clever. And they kind of like are buoyant, like, and they just kind of like bounce around like little bobby things in the water. That's kind of fun. Uh, and then here's us. I have this place called Burgerville that's only open three months of the summer. So I got to go there and they just have this picnic table. And so that's us and everyone's happy except for Cole. He's a little grumpy. But so we get to do this every year. And every year I come back and people say, how's your vacation? And my, my, my answer is not always oh, is super restful. It was super relaxing. I'm super revived for the next year. I'm like totally pumped, right? Like I'm so rejuvenated. Um, it, it's fun. It should be. It, it's relaxing. You guys see that, right? But, but it's not. And so it's like, well, why is that? Why, why, don't, why can't I rest? Why, why, am, why are my cortisol levels just skyrocketed all the time? What, what is that? What is something inside of me that is driving this anxiety and just always feeling like I need to be busy? Um, so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And my guess is that most, at least some, if not most of you, are in the same boat as I am. That you feel constantly under pressure, 
or overworked, or there's a lot to get done, and there's nothing you can really point to necessarily. It's maybe like a combination of things. And if you don't, I got some stats here. They're going to be hard to read. Um, but stats, they back me up. And as an engineer, like, I love stats because it's like you can't refute stats, right? So um, Kevin DeYoung, in his book, Crazy Busy, he kind of gathers some of these stats. And they're a little hard to see, so I'll just explain them real quick. But just some indicators of just the busyness and the stressed out anxiety life that we in America live on a daily basis. Um, so the one there, that's a little thermometer of saying that people are more stressed out on their daily commute than a fighter pilot is. Wow. I don't know why. We just are. Um, the second one there, you can kind of see the countries, but they say we work... You can't really see the numbers, can you? So the United States, we, our average workday is 8.8 .8 hours a day. That's what we work. Um, United Kingdom, they're an hour less than us. They're 7.8. And then the other two is, that's a picture of Italy and Germany. They're at 6.8. So most of the European nations, and then they're even less from there, right? They're working two hours a day on average, less a day than we do. Um, that's crazy. I'm going to move to Norway. As I was doing research, Norway was like, they have like 70 extra days of vacation a year than we do. That's 14 weeks. I was like, oh my gosh, right? So, Redemption Church Plant, Norway. Anyone else want to go? <laughs> um, then number three down there, we have longer work weeks despite our continued improvements in efficiency. And, and so, what the blue chart there is showing down there is that back in the 60s, some economists, futurists were doing some studies and trying to predict like, hey, our technology in the world, like we're going to be working less hours. We're going to have more time than we know what to do with. It'll just, we'll just be leisure, right? All this stuff coming out. Um, and the, the green is really what is happening, right? <laughs> so they're predicting we'd be at a, like a 22 and a half hour work week by, by this time. And we're actually closer of, of like, to like 60, right, is what we're running. Um, I have another analogy to that. I'll come back to that in a second. Uh, just a couple other things. We're not getting enough sleep. Say 40 million Americans get less than six hours a night. And they said, uh, uh, let's see, less than 100 years ago, the average was, Americans 100 years ago were getting two, two and a half hours more than we do on average today. So we're getting less sleep. We're more busier, right? And then the last one up there, the, um, that I just had there is we're, it says we're stressing out our kids. And they ask kind of like, what would you want to change in your, in your parents' job? Like if you could change one thing, they kind of did this study. And the, the two things they come, the most thing, that's the whole green thing, is we want less stress for their parents. That was the thing that came back. So the kids are seeing it, right? I'm trying to hide it, but the kids will feel it, right? Um, but going back to the last one, as I was thinking about this futurist thing I was thinking about when I was a kid. Um, Jetsons, right? Do any of the kids know that? Anybody? Anyone under 20 know, know what this was? You did? You've seen it? Sweet. Oh, nice. So I didn't realize the Jetsons were, came out in 62, and they're only there for about eight, two seasons is all they did. Now they did a, a remap stint in 85 to 87, which kind of coincides when, when I was a kid, so I think that's why I maybe saw more of them. Um, also, a little known fact is that the Jetsons was the first color television program. I didn't realize that. 
But can anyone name the robot? Rosie. 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 Nice. Who said that first? Credit. <laughs> um, but just as an indication of where they thought technology would take us, right? George Jetson, so it took place in 2062, right? So this is in the 60s, they think 100 years in 2062, where we were going to be at, right? Flying cars and the little uh, teleportation tubes that took them everywhere and folds into a briefcase. And, um, but what I thought was interesting is George Jetson, he works two days a week. Did you know that? His thing is two days a week, and he works for one hour a day. So if he has to come in for that third day, that's why he's always upset at Spacely Sprockets. He's like, what you, he's like you guys are killing me. Like, <laughs> but it, that's an indication, you know, of where the, they thought we were headed, right? Where, where these people, an indication. Not that Hannah Barbera is like some futurist predictor, but that's where he was at. I just thought that was interesting. So... So where do we go from here, right? So we all recognize we're busy. We all recognize we're stressed. The st statistics, man, that's a hard word to say, show us that that's kind of where we're going, but what do we do with it, right? Um, what's the answer? And I, and I think the answer is here in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And he says in verse 28, he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I, I really like the word, so, a lot of times when we read this, we read the words, we kind of link it to like being the heavy laden side of it, right? Which is, it's totally applicable, right? But if someone is going through a death in the family or they're going through a messy divorce or something is significantly bad, you know, that's easy to kind of point them to Jesus and we kind of reference that verse. Um, but he also says those who labor, right? And that idea of just everyday labors, right? That we can rest from those everyday things. And I, I also like the, the, the way he uses labor versus work, because sometimes we say work, and then we kind of lump that with like people that go to work versus like we're doing labor in, in a lot of things, right? We're raising kids, we're doing volunteer work. There's a lot of things that we labor at. Um, and we're not going to discuss the whole side of work. Mark did that in the gospel-centered work, which is online, so you can go see that if you want to that definition of that, but I just wanted to cover that I'm not just, I may reference work as my work, just because that's kind of the context I'm in, but I'm not referencing just people that go to work, right? It's whatever we do, whatever we work at. Um, and so he says in here, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. And so what does that rest look like? And he says it in verse 20, 29. It says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I am like totally overwhelmed. Technology is killing me. I'm on my phone all the time. I can't escape the emails of work. The kids are constantly asking me questions. And this is Jesus' response. There you go. I don't know about you, but this is not my answer for, like, I need rest, right? When I say I need rest, it's not, this is not what I picture. Has anyone used this as an evangelism tool? They gone out and been like, hey, are you overburdened? You know what, Jesus is the answer. He's got it right here. Like, take this yoke, right? 
So clearly what we see is that what he doesn't mean is absence of work or absence of labor, right? He's not saying, hey, come to me and I will just take all the work. I will reduce your cortisol levels. I'll figure out how to give you a master plan of giving a two-week vacation and uh, how to reduce your work week to two days like George Jetson, right? That's not, that's not his idea of rest. So then we have to answer our question. So what is, if this is the analogy he goes to, is a yoke, then we kind of need to understand what is the rest that he's looking for. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point to a few verses um, that talk about rest. Obviously, it's not covering all of them. But if you want to flip through, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move fast. So you can either listen or you can try and uh, flip through with me. But rest actually starts all the way back in Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3, where he, uh, after he creates everything, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Does God get tired? He doesn't get tired, right? But he still rested, right? So, so rest is not just, it could be from phys- physical labor. We'll see that in a second, but it's not just stop working, right? And then if you flip over to Exodus 20. Verses 8 through 11. It says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is with you within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, I thought that one was interesting. I know we all know it's part of the Ten Commandments, but you always forget that the Sabbath is part of the Ten Commandments. I don't know. That's, at least me, you know, we get that it's same in line later on. You shall not murder, not commit adultery, not steal, not bear false witness, but you shall rest. Um, it's a commandment that he... They set forth. And obviously, this one points to, to resting and not just us, but also the people that work for us. Um, so that definitely points to physical rest. But it's also the idea that you're remembering. It says in verse 11, For in six days the Lord, remem- the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Holy meaning set apart. That he wanted us to take a day to, set, to remember this is what God's done. And to trust him and honor and honor him in that. If God can rest today, I think we can rest today, right? We have a lot to get done. And I would think in an agricultural society, you'd be like, man, I gotta sit around for a whole day. Like there's crops that need to get picked. Like I could get ahead, I can get a jump on the next week. And God's like, no, trust me. Like this is this is your way of trusting me. Um, and, and as we saw in the catechism, this is a way to kind of see what the way God had had planned it. And then a couple other instances that I just, I just thought were interesting as I was researching the Sabbath is that uh, um, in one of my, I don't want to say least favorite books, because that's kind of like, can't really say that, right? Hardest to get through is Leviticus, right? But what I, know, what I was kind of struck by, and I, I knew it, but it's just kind of putting that in your mind, is that 
the Lord spoke all the commandments, right? Usually we take Leviticus and we think like, oh, this is all the pharisaical laws and this is the way they've taken everything out of context and this is all just judgment, 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 law, law, law. But this is the way God, this is, God spoke these things. And he's like, this is what I need you guys to do. And just um, really quick, in 23, Leviticus 23, verses 15 and 16, it says, you shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath. This is a math problem here for you guys that are really into math. From the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, you shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. Um, and then there's, he does a lot of description of the, of the offering, and it says, you shall make proclamation on the same day. You shall ho- hold a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. It is a statute forever in all your dwelling places throughout your generations. And so he's now setting up, there's the Sabbath, that was the commandment, one day a week. And then now he's starting to set up these, these festivals and these feasts that he starts putting in these, these rhythms for, for the Israelites. And then again... You then flip over to 25, um, verses 1 through 7. He says, The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years you shall sow your field, and for six years you shall prune your vineyards and gather in its fruits. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of the solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not, not sow your field or prune your vineyard, you shall not reap what grows of itself in your harvest, or gather the grapes of your undressed vine. It shall be a year of solemn rest for the land. So he has every 50 weeks, sits aside, and then every seven years, they rest the entire year. That would be awesome. I don't know if I can convince my boss to take a year off, like every six, six or seven years, but that would be cool, right? Um, and in verse 6 there, it says, Sabbath land shall provide food for you for yourself. So they can eat of the land, but they're not going to develop it. They're not going to sell things off of it. Um, and then in verse uh, 8 through 13 is then the year of Jubilee. So now we have like the Sabbath day, then we have the week, every 50 weeks, which is roughly once a year. And then every six to seven years is the Sabbath year. And then every 50 years is the year of Jubilee where like everything is like, everything's wiped clean right? Prisoners are let out. Debts are forgiven. Um, if you bought, if you're leasing, I guess I'll say, land from someone else, that lease is returned back to them. And everything is kind of, there's a big massive reset every 50 years, um, which is kind of cool. And I guess the, the reason I'm, I'm looking at that is just that there's the idea of there, that God is, we're looking at how God did things. He had, he and he prescribed these, right? These are in Leviticus. This is what God said to go, for them to go do. And obviously, we're not under the law. We're not supposed to go and go find a bull and kill him and whatever, all that kind of stuff. Like, Christ redeemed us from that law. But you can see the kind of their patterns and the rhythms that God has set up for his people. And so we can look at that as a principle uh, of, for us today. And then the last one, but back to where we started in Matthew 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so the idea of not just labor, but then also our burdens, our anxieties, right? We're not, anymore in America, most of us are not having a a physical job. It's not a physically demanding thing. Fitness Pal says I'm sedentary. I thought that was kind of rude, but. um, But we're, most of it's all all in our head, right? It's all the anxiety and it's all the toil that goes on in our head. 
that, that he's going to provide us rest from that, that that is true rest. Um, Andy Crouch and his, uh, we were reading a book, Sandy and I on the TechWise family, um, he kind of walks through this area and, and he kind of, uh, he had a good summary of rest that, that I kind of used to summarize all of this stuff. Um, so those are the verses. This is the way, I paraphrased what he did, but rest is the restoration of our physical bodies, our spiritual souls, and the restoration of our relationships with God and with others. It's the idea that rest is not just, it could, a physical rest is a part of that, but it's, it's, it's much more, right? And then uh, Andy Crouch, he, he kind of has an antithesis to this, and he describes leisure to kind of separate the two. He says leisure is fruitless escape from labor. Um, I thought that was a little harsh. I maybe would have said like, escape from labor or like hanging out, having fun or something. But <laughs> so, and obviously Andy Crouch is not God's word, but I think the idea here is that so many times we're thinking we want rest or we're praying to God, give us rest. But really what we want is leisure. And really what we're seeking out is leisure. Um, and, that, and that's clearly not what Jesus is offering here. He's not offering a, a escape from labor, right? He's not, he's not doing a, a lack of work. Um, so this was super helpful to me because if I go back to my analogy beginning of, of Montana and you guys saw those pictures and you're like, how can you not be restful in there? And Sam and I were talking about that, is that when I go back to Montana, I'm trying to escape from labor, right? If you guys see in there, who was not in the water? This guy. Yeah. <laughs> right? I was not the one. I did not put the life vest on and wear it as a diaper and jump in the lake. That was not me. Although my kids probably would have loved to have seen that. But that wasn't me. I'm not doing that. And, and so as I think about for, for myself, like if, if I'm in Montana, because I really wrestled with this when I came back, I'm like, why am I not more restful than I was when I went there? I had fun. It, it was, we did a lot of activity. We hung out as a family. Um, what was different? And I, I think for me, I spent most of my time trying to escape from labor, right? Right on the other side of the dock where the picture was taken, there's a big platform with these like huge Adirondack chairs that have like the footstools and... And I sat there most of the time, right? And like, man, it doesn't get more relaxing than that, right? <laughs> but that wasn't, it wasn't rest. And, and as Sam and I were talking about it, the, the most restful time, if I were to think about it, is on the last day I did jump in the lake. It was a little cold, but I did jump in. The kids, they get in like instantly. But for me, the most rest, the most rejuvenating and encouraging time was when I jumped in the lake and swam with my daughters. Right, they're in all week, and I'm kind of like, yeah, I'll go in later, I'll go in later, and then all of a sudden it was the end of the week, and I never went in. <laughs> but so I'm like, I've got to go in at least once. But for me, the 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 most restful time, the most time I was felt encouraged was actually doing something. Right, it wasn't it wasn't the lack of work. It was it was going towards that rest, that restoration of our physical bodies, our spiritual souls, and our restoration of a relationship. Is building that relationship with my daughter is what was really encouraging me. You know, and I, and I think about this, and we talk about, about here and how we're supposed to reach the community, and that we're a, a, 
community, you know, Parker is very kid-focused, very comfort-driven, safety, security. And I, and I always, like, wrestle this in my mind because I, you know, at the same time you take the principles of the Old Testament, and I'm like, as a father, aren't I supposed to provide for my family? Aren't I supposed to, like, you know, it, it talks about setting up things for the next generation. Aren't I supposed to have, like, something in the savings account or something? And so I'm always wrestling with, like, seeking that comfort, or am I just supposed to sell everything and just, you know, jump off a cliff with someone, with, with the family, and hope God just lands us, right? There, there's, a, there's a push and pull there where you're just, like, a tension where you're just, like, ultimately it comes down to what is God telling you to do, and you go do that, and sometimes he does call you to jump off a cliff. But more often than not, he doesn't. And so I've always wrestled with, like, what is this? I don't want to be searching for comfort, but I also need to try and provide for my family, right? And what does that really look like? And so when I, when I was going through this, and I was like, okay, that, that helps me make sense of that, right? Because I think when we say comfort, I think most of the people in Parker, they're searching for leisure, right? They're like, how do I get to either work less, or how do I have more fun, or how do I sign up for more activities? They're trying to pursue this leisure of like just rest and relaxation, and God's saying, that's, that's not what we're pursuing. We're, we're pursuing rest. And rest could mean working, right? Um, Sandy and I, we had, we've had people in our house for 17 days, 20 days. <laughs> this revolving door of people. And so saying again, we were talking about this. Um, you know, and I was explaining to her what I was talking about on Sunday. She had said, you know, these past two weeks, even though we've had, so we have five kids, and then... Uh, Sandy's younger sister has four, so that's nine kids in our house. And then they immediately left, and we had one night, and then the next day, the next family shows up, and they have three kids, and so we've just had kids, kids, kids in our house, like, nonstop. And so she was like, you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't stressful. It wasn't, I wasn't anxious. It, it was relaxing, and it was relaxing because um, we had prepared for it, right? We, we said, we're not Santa project people, we just... We will consume every hour we have with an additional project, something to fix the house. But we cleared all that, and we said, all we're going to do is just, is just make them feel welcome here. Give them the opportunity to feel like it is their vacation. And the kids did a great job of that, and we just really poured into them the whole week and just making them feel welcome. And so Sandy was saying at the end of the week, she's not tired, right? How can you not be tired with eight kids in the house? Like, that is ridiculous. But she's not, because, because she was seeking rest. She's had rest in, in that rest as defined as restoring that relationship with her sister, right? And I think that's what, that's what Jesus offers. He doesn't offer leisure, but he does offer rest. So how do we get there? Um, I really like what Mark said last week, and I, I liked it so much I can't even paraphrase it. I probably should have written it down. But what he said last week is when you're going in a... In a when you're trying to get it to a destination, direction is more important than desire, right? Did I get that right? Okay. Is that close enough, Jen? Okay. Um, and I really like that, right? Because it's, it's more about, okay, I'm going to choose a path here. And so I had two things. I know there's a tons of, th of ways to uh, enter Jesus' rest, but I came up with two um, things as I was studying that were helpful for me. Um, let's see if this is going to work now. Okay, there we go. So one, establish priorities. And as he says in, uh, 
Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, right? We need to learn how did Jesus, so how did Jesus set up his priorities? His priorities, John 4, 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Um, you can see over and over in the gospels, he wasn't distracted, right? He fed 4,000 and he was like, I'm out. It's time to go on to the next city. Why did he do that? They could have, he could have healed people for days, right? But he didn't because God said, it's time to go to the next one. It's time to go to the next town. It's time to go do this. Um, his work. And, and so, obviously, we're not Christ, but our work is to make disciples. That's the job he gave us. Um, in uh, Kevin DeYoung's Crazy Busy, which is where a lot of those stats came from, he kind of summed up his priorities like this. He says, uh, oh, did that go? Oh, geez. Now I messed it up. Okay. Faithfully preach, love, and lead. Faithfully preach, love, and lead my family. Be happy and holy in Jesus Christ. Now, obviously, most of us aren't a preacher like him, so faithfully preach doesn't apply, but we could probably put in faithfully work or whatever your labor is, right? Um, the rest applies pretty much to, to most of us. And what I liked about it is, one, it was simple, and two, he wrote it down, right? Does anyone else write down their priorities? <laughs> I haven't. But I just really like that he, that he, just, he wrote it down, and so it's to help him remind him, this is my priority. And, and he says, conversely, this is what our priorities ended up looking like. Oh, man, I did it again. What's going on here? No, don't touch it. I got it. <laughs> don't, don't take away my podium. All right. Verse, he says, when we, if someone were to follow my life, most of us, this is what our priorities would look like. Take care of the house, meet the next deadline, keep the people in my life happy. Right? If someone were to follow me around for the week, would they say my priorities look like what he's saying up there or what's down there? Right? Um, unfortunately, I'd say they're going to say the last one. How could they not? Right? That's what I, I get consumed in it. I get bogged down in it. I don't, I don't keep what is important at the top of my priority like Jesus did. So, also in his book, so I kind of like these are just three, uh, three things he did to help you establish and set your priorities, more just helpful hints. He says, I must set priorities because I can't do it all, right? And we're not supposed to do it all. Jesus didn't do it all. He waited 30 years before starting anything. That's kind of crazy, right? Do you think about that? Anybody wonder what he was doing in like teenage years? Like, is he just hanging out? Does he know he's God? I don't know, but God told him not starting, and then you're going, right? He, he, knew, he could have done a lot more if he started his ministry in like 20, when he was 20, and he could have built something way bigger, right? Why only three years? Why only 12 disciples? And why not convince the Pharisees and change their hearts? Because they had way much more influence than some fishermen and some tax collector guys or whatever, right? Um, but we can't do it all. We have to set those priorities. Second... I must set priorities so I'm to serve people most effectively, right? If, if I'm constantly fighting fires and jumping to whatever is in, in front of me, I don't get to where I, I really want to be. Um, he has a term, I'm going to say it wrong, he calls them posteriorities, <laughs> which is like posterior, as in like things that, he's like, these are the things that I'm not to be concerned with, right? They may be good, but they're not best, so I'm going to put those at the bottom and, and intentionally set them aside. 
Um, and then third, he says, allow others to set their own priorities. Don't get all bent out of shape when someone says, no, I can't meet with you this week. How about next week, right? Allow people to set their priorities and don't be all upset because then you're going to put them in a position where now they have to meet with you because now you became a fire, right? Recognize that everyone has their priorities and you may not be their priority this week. I just thought that was interesting. All right. So first thing, set priorities. And then the second, develop a rhythm of work and rest and kind of looking at the Sabbath. I was really taken back about how God has set these things up through Leviticus um, and not that we need to every 49 years return our house to the owner who it was. That would be kind of weird. But, um, but the idea of, of a rhythm, um, and this is, this is Andy Crouch, came out of his TechWise book. He says, one hour a day, one day a week, and one week a year set aside time for rest. Um, and he's talking specifically towards electronics. And, I, and what he does is no cell phone, no TV, no tablets, no computer, no email. Like he physically, he says, if you can, go to the walls and unplug everything. <laughs> Which I think is, again, TV and all electronics, that's not anything biblical. This is his recommendation. And it was focused on technology. Um, so I don't know about that, but I, I do like the, at least the principle, the idea of, of setting up this rhythm of work and rest and setting up that time um, as rest as we've defined it. Not leisure, but time to, to spend time in God's Word, to spend time with your family or with friends. Um, Andy Crouch, in his book, uh, in that book, he, he, uh, he says what happens is, is on Sunday, that's their rest day, um, obviously the Sabbath. I have a hard time with that because I'm like, what do you do in the fall? Like, football's on. Like, how do you... I don't understand how he gets around that, but, um, but what, he, what, what has happened to it is it's turned into a tool to reach his community because they, don't, they, they, don't, they only do finger foods and tea on Sunday. And so what they've done is they're like, hey, if you want to be a part of that, it, it doesn't, we're intentionally not doing a lot, but if you want to throw some jalapeno poppers in your oven and bring them over, we're just going to hang out and have tea and just talk and and so he's using that and neighbors are coming to him because they see that there's something attractional of like how did this guy get out of the rat race and it's become an evangelism tool for him and he's able to connect and restore relationships with his family and neighbors at the same time which I kind of thought was cool all right those are kind of just those things we're talking oh last is sleep and exercise that's the one I've got to get at and just, what I, what I read like two or three books on, on rest, and what I was amazed at is everyone does come back to sleep, which I thought was interesting. I just want to make a little side note about that. that he, and specifically, they say you can't, you can't steal time, you can only borrow it. And so if you steal sleep, you think you can do four hours of night because you need to just get all the stuff done, it will catch up to you. But I thought that in multiple people, they're, they're all saying that, you, you can't get away from sleep. You've got to have that rest. Um, let's see. Oh, I guess that's it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so where do we go from here? I, I think, you know, I know for me, it was super encouraging to listen to that. I've got, I'm not the expert, like I said in the beginning. I've got a lot of work to do. I was actually telling saying I'm, I'm glad to get, like, through this message because now I can actually, like, figure out what my rhythm looks like. I don't have it all locked down, 
Um, like I said, those books, Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung and uh, TechWise Family by Andy Crouch, those are super helpful in trying to navigate what, is, what does rest really look like. So if you're interested, you could, you could check those books out. Um, what I really liked was the idea when what Andy Crouch had done of taking it, not only rest for ourselves, it's, it's like a double whammy, it's a twofer. If you can figure that out, because we are busy here, there's a lot of stuff going on, trying to coordinate with neighbors and friends, everyone is doing a lot of stuff, and so if we were the ones that had that margin, and we were the ones that were restful, right, that, that's, that's noticeable. That's something that is gonna stick out um, in our neighborhood. It's, it's, it's a way to be restful and connect with your family and be able to reach out to our neighbors in that. Okay, I think that's it. Look at my notes one more time. Okay, so I'm gonna go, I'm going to uh, transition to the uh, communion now. Um, and I encourage you, just as we, as we move to the table and kind of remember what God has done, both shed of his blood and broken body, he did this for our rest, right? He did that for us um, so that we could have a rest in eternity, right? Spending eternity with him and then also as a uh, rest here on earth right? He's he's offering both. Um, So I encourage you just to just thank him. Um, If there's things that you need to repent of, repent of those. And then when you're ready, um, there's communion in the front and in the back. Um, It's not just for Redemption Parker. Anyone that considers themselves a follower of Jesus is welcome to take the elements. Um, So when you're ready, you can come up either side. The gluten-free crackers are in both. Um, And then we'll continue in worship after that. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for your word. I thank you for your son. And that you are the only true way that we can find rest, God. Um, I confess that I often am hurried and I'm caught up in what the world thinks is important and their priorities and not your priorities, God. And I, and I want to confess that and repent of that and change of that, God. And uh, I pray that we would be a people that are known for rest not lazy, um, not absent of work, but someone that, that finds their, their joy and their rest in you and something that people would take notice and we could have an opportunity to share that with them, God. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.